this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Santa is coming, so we thought we'd give the fellows a break and bring on our favorite nerd elf, Ty Merrill, to the show. We talk analytics, stats, trends, and even some festive drinks. And with no games this week, we take a look at your Cool Bet Canada future odds. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! shot and it was a decoy what is good everybody welcome back to another edition of the off the crossbar podcast happy holidays it is almost christmas hope you're enjoying family and friends as best and as safely as you can. Uh, my name is Teddy Jenner. He is Pat Gregoire. Uh, we are the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Patty, what's up, brother? 
not too much it's almost christmas time um you know as we talk a little bit later on you know it it stinks that uh there's no lacrosse this weekend but i think the break couldn't have come at a better time with things going on in the world right now uh you got all your shopping done no (laughs) almost almost Got a couple of things, last minute things that I have to get done. But Who's uh, who is the uh, the last person you're getting? Who who gets that distinct title? I I can't say wow. because they might be say, listening. Exactly. Wait, <laughs> exactly. is it is it me? Uh, no. Oh, second, okay. <laughs> second. All right. Well, wait. Does that mean uh, I won't dig down that rabbit hole? Yeah, I'm don't uh, not open up that can of worms. There you go. Not open up there that can go. of worms. Um, you mentioned it. The, the, there are no games this weekend. We are three weeks in. Uh, the league taking a bit uh, of a Christmas break, which was, you know, at the time, you know, you never really want to play on Christmas anyway. Um, but the fact that all the news is with Omicron and shutdowns and things closing. So, Maybe silver lining, it does come at the right time, like you said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it allows guys to just stay away from each other, stay home, get healthy, and hopefully for the 30th and, and that New Year's weekend that we can be playing full games and run right into the new year. So we did get through three weeks so far. Um, and we have two teams undefeated, Buffalo and Halifax. Neither of them played over the weekend. And three teams without wins, Albany, New York, Panther City. Does one of those storylines stand out more than the other? I would have to say that the fact we have, you know, two teams, two teams that I think a lot of people projected as top teams as undefeated only through two weeks, not really that big of a surprise, but... I think a lot of people would have assumed that Panther City would be winless at this point. I think a lot of people maybe would have thought that that New York may have got their first win, but I think Albany being 0 and 2 um through you know their first two games, especially after their first game where they, you know, battled hard with Toronto, um but this is a team that you know, I had a lot of faith in, in the offseason. Um, I thought obviously losing Callum Crawford, it, it, that's something that is going to, the, I said it was going to be tough to replace, but it, it's not the end of the world for them. Uh, but right now that offense is, is not looking great. Um, they're getting their opportunities. So I, I wonder if this is a case of maybe just the ball's not sinking for them right now. Like a guy I'm looking at for sure with that team, 22 shots on goal, only one, one goal. Um, you know, Joe Rez only with five. Sorry, who is that? Two. Riley O'Connor. Oh, yeah. Riley O'Connor's only got one goal on 22 shots. Um, you know, Joe Rez Terrace, only five points. Same thing with Riley O'Connor. Like Andrew Q, you know, eight through two. So, you know, he's carrying his weight there. But, uh, you know, you look down, Jacob Rue, a guy that was supposed to really be a, you know, a, a, a difference maker, a new uh, player in this lineup, just two goals, no assists. Yeah. Games. Jordan Durston, just two assists. So the offense certainly not clicking. The defense wasn't typical. You know, we saw in previous years with the Black Wolves, 
Um, and not the best performance by, by Doug Jamison, but with this Black Wolves now Firewolves team, we, we've always seen one or two defensive stinkers from them or a game where, you know, Jamison's not at his best. So I think this is a team that can figure it out, but with how tight the East is, they need to figure it out sooner rather than later. Um, we can't talk about the Firewolves and not the absolute mayhem that went down in their home opener. Um, it wasn't going well from jump mm-hmm. and Rochester was pretty much all over them the entire game, which I think is a huge concern for me. Um, and the fact that Rochester handled them so easily, but the fact that they then, you know, get a couple scuffles here and there, little fight, little fisty, little tilly tilly you think, Okay. You know, they're just kind of letting some of that emotion go, getting that frustration out, trying to give the home fans something to cheer about. And then Hartsey and Woods go at it. What was was, was your initial thought? How do you feel about it now? And the question everybody will ask, is this good for our game? Well, I mean, when I first came across it, one, I mean, it was surprising just the fact it's two young goalies that were going at it. One, it wasn't even Doug Jamison, like yeah. Ethan Woods, their backup was, was in a, at that point. And, you know, we saw him scrap, get ready to go. And, you know, Hartley, like, you know, he's a fiery competitor. I believe we've seen him. I think he scrapped. I think he fought Joel Watson, who is backup in Rochester um, when Whitby and uh, Orangeville a couple of years ago had a, I'm pretty sure uh, it was Hartley in between the pipes who, who scrapped then. Um, but to see it at this level, I mean, it had been a while since we saw a goalie scrap uh, in the National Lacrosse League. And to answer your question, is this good for the game? 110%. The, the, the people that, you know, say this is not what, you know, lacrosse is all about. There's so much more to the game. Um you know, the, the oh, TMZ is picking this up. Uh, it's all over t- like, that's great. That is fantastic. The more eyes on the game, the better. Yes. People should, you know, the, the high flying action, um, you know, the tremendous athletes, but if, if it's a goalie scrap that gets people's attention to watch a game uh, and, and, you know, tune in on ESPN or tune in on TSN next time they see it on, on their TV, that that's that's an amazing thing, and mm. it just for whatever reason, lacrosse Twitter, and every time there's something positive with the game or there's eyes on the game, they always have to find a way to complain. Like, like what are we doing here, people? We're trying to grow the game, and and if this isn't the way that you think it should be done, that's fine. But to say a bad thing for the game is crazy. Yeah, yeah, like sh- yes. A thousand percent, we would all all like to see more of the tremendous, like Dane Doby going for seven and having a busted nose, blood all over him. Like you could show that, and it would it would get a lot of push, and it would be awesome exposure. But this is just one of those things that is a rarity in our sport, and when it does happen. It's not staged. It's not overblown. It was just tensions boiling over in a game. And it, it, it needed to happen. It, we needed a little kick in the ass, a little something extra 
And I thought it was fantastic. I was sitting with a, a bunch of my old Shamrock teammates um, at a pub in town um, as we do, you know, yearly get together around these times. And it's all the guys were talking about when I showed up. And it was, like you said, it was being shown on the, the regular TSN loop that night. And, you know, it, it's just, it's awesome to see that now that we are on TSN, that that stuff is getting picked up and that stuff is, is getting out there. I think, I, I, I agree. It is a, it's great for our sport. No, it's not a good look, but it, it's, it's great for our sport that we have thousands and thousands. Like how many views did the flash post of that get? Oh, it's crazy. It, it broke all of our records of anything yeah. we've ever done in like it, that day. Right. And yes, like you said, it, uh, like uh, when, you know, in, in the nineties, when Patrick Waugh and, 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 you know, Mike Vernon, they dropped yeah. the gloves and had that it, massive bra, the yeah. line brawl, the, the rivalry between Colorado and Detroit. And, and, and like, was that a great look for the uh, NHL? I mean, probably not, but that was a great way to grow fans and have a game. And yes, did anyone get hurt? Was it a dirty hit? Was it a dirty play? Was it something that was a true quote unquote black eye on the game of lacrosse? No, not at all. It was a fight between two goalies. They geared down. It was something that was crazy that we'll probably won't see for a long time. And if it gets eyes on the game and, and it gets people to know what the national lacrosse league is, that's fine by me. Yeah. Uh, the last goalie fight uh, in season was 2012. I think it was Wagger and Henhock. Uh, but the last fight we saw was a preseason one between Boldy and Sigs, uh, which was, you know, again, it was something that happened in the heat of the battle. There were a couple other fights going on. And that was the one thing that people pick up. That was, you know, that was the one thing that sort of went viral. And it's unfortunate that those are the moments that do, but it's always good to bring more eyes to our sport. And people will say, what the hell is this? that's actually going on. But that wasn't the only big story of the weekend. And for that, we're going to go to Calgary. And we all knew that it was the return of Dane Doby. It was billed as that um, ever since the schedule was out and ever since Dobe signed with the Seals. We were all looking for this moment, and you always knew it was going to be a great one. But then the Seals put Zach Greer on the IR, and they put in Austin freaking stops. I still do not have a clear 100% answer of how this all came about, but it caught everybody off guard. It, it I, honestly, I could, I thought it was, a, I thought I was looking at a, like a troll, a, a San Diego right? account when that came out. I, I was like, there is no possible way this could be true from everything that we heard. For this, it was terrible injury for him. And I mean, it was crazy because you would think when a star player, a young, you know, promising, budding, superstar in this league comes back from injury immediately you would be like yes this is awesome yeah but immediately where my head went to is i hope i hope he's not rushing back and i hope he's okay and i hope this isn't you know him feeling like oh i'm ready to go but then you know he'd have to get cleared by the seals doctors and there's so much that probably would have had to gone through this and you know have some 
resources from, all, from that that I've heard and you know his his road to recovery from his first injury went so well it obviously was a, a little bit uh, of a longer process but you know maybe this is the point where we've seen we're seeing now in sports these injuries you know they, they are the recovery times a lot a lot quicker so I have enough faith in this organization um, that they wouldn't have pushed him back too early and from all indications that we saw out on the floor <laughs> He he's, so fine. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. Um, he is. He is such a to watch, and uh, I, I believe the seals. That you know, jumping up, bouncing up after yeah. Doby scored one of those goals, and that's not. It's not just the fact that he's you know an unbelievable talent, and his he's got so much passion, but just he, there is there's not too many more guys that enjoy a putting the ball in the net. Mm-hmm. and scoring or when his teammates that he just wants to win so badly and he looks like he is having so much fun yeah. while that's happening and he's are he's those type of players that when we talk about these new cats and then those are players like audience thoughts not just because you know but personality and, and that fiery passion uh, kind of almost reminds you of like an Alex Ovechkin when he scores mm. or someone scores. That's going to be the type of player um, that's going to draw those casual sports fans in and, and really fall in love with some of these players. Um, sidebar. Uh, I can't, I, I want to say it's right, but I believe that like guys like Kurt Miloski and Josh Sanderson, um, they also had like ACL injuries, but they never got surgery. I think they just played with the brace. And it allowed them to have careers that continued and they never really had any issues. Um, and then after their playing career was done, they ended up getting the surgery. So yeah, until we really find out what, what miracle happened with Austin Sots, I think it's always going to be a mystery, but that, that, that was just um, the moment, probably the biggest, Oh my goodness moment of the weekend, as good as Dane Doby was, in putting up seven against his old club and um, as crazy it was to see all the other things that happened over the weekend, just when that happened, I, I, I was dumbfounded when I saw that yeah. news, when Brad and I were getting ready to call the game, I looked over and I said, they just activated Audi and like mind blown. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah, it, it was crazy. The other crazy moment was Zach Higgins taking a ball through the face mask. Yeah, that was scary. And that was one of the scariest things I've seen in a long time because you didn't quite know at first. You thought, oh, maybe it got underneath the helmet, hit him in the throat, which happens more often than this situation does. And immediately Challen Rogers was calling for the team doctor and all the players were calling the Philly Wings trainers. Room, and they got there quick. But Higgins knew right away, and you knew if he knew right away something had to have been wrong. And then they showed the replays, and you kind of see the first look, and it's like, oh, yeah, it went right off the face mask, probably bent the bar in. Man, that's a scary sight. And then they showed that last one, and they slowed it down. And you can literally see it go in one eye hole on the to the other side of his nose and sit in the other eye hole. Yeah. It was scary my man i can't imagine the thoughts going through higgy's mind at that moment 
Yeah, and I I'm wondering if you know after that if the league moves mm. to you know a rule where the goalies can't have you know the cat eye cage that 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 Higgins used. I know some. I actually don't know how many goalies actually use that. I know there's others that have more of the hockey like player with the the squares or yeah, Rosie's like, one's very very small. Yeah. Yeah, Rosie's is is small. So there, and I know a lot of it is obviously you just look at the helmet. It, it's probably your world are probably a lot better with the traditional, uh, you know, hockey goalie. But, um, yeah, it was scary. And like you said, I think it, the thing that was really concerning was his reaction, like right away. Yeah, and that's how you knew something was wrong. It was, it, it, it was scary. Um, he, the crazy, maybe even crazier was Ashley Dawkins was reporting from their bench saying that they're trying to clean up the Jersey. They're trying to get him a new face back there. He was going to think about going in like yeah. that's like, like what a competitor that is to want to go in with probably just an absolutely shattered beak to, to want to go back in was uh, that was blowing me away even more. Um, maybe the, the only better performance was Mike Messenger um, over the weekend. Uh, you know, we usually do team of the week um, in this point, but I think we should probably just focus on the fact of how good is Mike Messenger? Dot, 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 hashtag spoiler alert, very good. <laughs> I mean, man, this, like, this is getting ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was floored with how, I mean, I've always been a big fan of his game, but you know, seeing him how, how well he played in that first game of the season against how argue he was or one on the floor, and then you know, uh, in you know, in Calgary or sorry, in the the home opener for them against Calgary again, very strong. But he might have been even better on on Saturday night or Friday, I guess it was Friday night against Vancouver. He was unbelievable. Like, I mean, so good. whether he's, you know, picking up loose balls, pushing the ball in transition, like, uh, you know, pl- playing unbelievably sound defense on the best defense in the league. And, you know, one of the best defensive units over the past few years that maybe we've ever seen, mm-hmm. you know, in the national lacrosse league. And then you put on top of that, he's a guy that can stay and play a little bit of O and Oh yeah. He's also taking face-offs mm-hmm. as well. I think you could argue that you could make a really damn good argument that by the way of the, the, the term most valuable player through three weeks, I don't know if someone has more value to their team than Mike Messenger. He, I think he does it all, man. And he, he is in his fight if he has to. Exactly. And the thing with him too is it's not just he's this big, strong, uh, you know, overpowering defender, but he, he, like that last play for him <laughs> to rag out the clock, it was ridiculous. And I, I, he's my front runner for transition player of the year, hands down. And I honestly, if I had a vote right now, if I had to vote MVP, I'd have a wow. hard time not picking him. He has been on another level. And I, I, he's knocking on the door of those special players like the, the Graham Hossicks and the Challen Rogers. Obviously, it's a small sample size right now. But if he can continue this dominance, he's right in 
that category with those two guys because there are not too many guys that can be this effective in all facets of the game. And the way that seen, especially, you know, the last game against Vancouver, uh, his his dominance was was felt pre- like and, and you know you were there in the building so you saw it firsthand and, and it's it's crazy like it, he is so good he he only is getting better and I I think we're watching you know a superstar being born here with with Messenger uh, yeah he has taken uh, just another step in his game and he's art like even last year in the shortened season he was mightily impressive yeah. he's just. Like, it's hard to explain because you wouldn't expect him to be do to be able to do everything so well and so consistency yeah. consistently. But I think the biggest boost to what he does and um, shining example of how MVP ish he is is that Jeff McComb has the confidence to put him on the floor in that situation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you could give that ball to church or Shatler or Matthews or Ryan Keenan or any of those forward and just say, Hey, you know what? Move the ball, rag it around, kill off some clock, but they give it to mess and say, dude, just don't go back over essentially. Right. Run your little hearts content, kill that time. <laughs> and he's able to out sprint two D guys, spin off another swim, move another, and then hold on to the ball against the boards in contact for 13 seconds and just didn't look like he broke a sweat or was ever in doubt of turning that ball over. It was one of the most complete performances um, of the entire season so far. And we've seen Graham Hossack do some incredible things. We've seen Kyle Matisse this year do some incredible things, but like you said, he's playing on their defense. He plays on their chase team. He takes face-offs. He runs in transition, stays in plays, and ends up with, what, two goals, three points, uh, a handful of loose balls, and probably two or three block shots. Uh, he probably was 48% of the face-off draw. Like, just an unbelievable overall performance um, from one of the best players and best rising stars in our league right now. You can't cross check an oak tree. And that <laughs> what was, a line. That was an unbelievable line by Brad. Uh, that was awesome. I was in peace. Oh man, he had some good ones. He had some he's had some good ones so far. Um, but you know, yes. speaking of, we've we've been treated to three outstanding TSN games this yeah. year. All three uh have been one goal games, all three have been close um throughout and Every game has just been an absolute treat to call. Um, we we have our numbers thanks to our boy Adam uh, on uh, on Twitter, and we talked about 88k the first week for Toronto Albany, 45k for Saskatchewan Calgary, and then back up to to 50k for Vancouver Saskatchewan. So uh, we get a bit of an uptick after a bit of a drop, but still some decent numbers going through a tough time of year. Uh, in the sports schedule. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I think like, you know, the 88 K for the first week, they, I think that was a lot more than I think even TSN kind of expected. And mm-hmm. They were maybe probably, and I, this is just me just guessing. I think they probably were expecting around closer to what the, the, the next two games were. Um, but you know, the 88 K like obviously one, you know, it was a Saturday. It was the Toronto rock. Um, 
you know, it was the first game for a lot of emotion behind that. Uh, two games were a little bit later, um, but, you know, for 50K on a Friday night coming close to Christmas, like a week before Christmas, mm-hmm. where there's probably a ton of uh, Christmas parties going on and different gatherings to get that 50K at that point, that's super impressive, especially after that little drop-off, like you mentioned. So um, obviously TSN and the NLO would love to have that 88K every single week. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens the next time it's in the East Coast. I know I have East Coast bias, but... Have, it's a better time. It's a better time for more people to watch. I would be interested to see that next game, mm-hmm. um, what the numbers are, because uh, I do think that that seven o'clock or even eight o'clock Eastern time slot is the prime time for everyone across the country. Yeah. Uh, the next game is the 30th. Uh, it's in Calgary, it's Halifax, Calgary. Uh, and then your first game uh, in Buffalo um will be what's that the the january 7th the the 8th the 8th toronto buffalo in buffalo um yourself john abbott ashley docking your first time working as a crew together um so that's a lot of great stuff to look forward to a great way to kick off the new year yeah i'm looking forward to it it's been a while since i've been in bandit land i mean it's been a while for a lot of people but uh (laughs) you know that's one of my favorite uh, buildings to, to visit. Um, you know, when I was a student at Madai in Buffalo, uh, one year, a bunch of the boys had season tickets. Um, so spent a lot of time in that building. And, uh, I think, uh, anytime you get the Buffalo bandits and the Toronto rock playing each other, especially in that building, uh, it's always, always, just, always seems to be not just a good game, but a rough physical game. And, uh, we, from what we've seen from the, that's Duplo, super entertaining, um, but uh, you couldn't have picked a better three games, and I hope that trend continues, that we don't have any stinkers because, um, man, they've been three really good games. Yeah. Um, before we get to Ty Marrow, uh, who's our guest this week, um, news out of Halifax that they and the New York Riptide, um, due to uh, Nova Scotia and Halifax um, rules and regulations due to Omicron, uh, that they are going to move that game uh, into the new year, just postponed a bit um, just because they weren't going to be able to have enough people in the nest. It just didn't make uh, much economical sense um, essentially. So uh, that game that was what supposed to be first week in January has been moved to February. Yeah. So it was supposed to be January 8th and uh, it's been rescheduled to the 4th uh, of February which worked out really well for the schedule for both teams, considering they both were expected to have a buy. So yes, one less buy week for them. Um, but this, this works out really well for both teams. It works out well for Halifax, especially because there was some rumblings that, you know, Halifax was going to try to see if they could play this game in Ontario. Mm. Unfortunately, just wasn't able to work out. And I think this works out better because now you'll be able to have that home game back in the nest um, you'll have a full gate. You'll be able to, because up until I think it was today that it was, or I guess when we're recording this on Wednesday, when it was announced, they were going to be allowed to have a small crowd in the building, which still at that point, it, it, it was a, you know, a huge loss financially for mm-hmm. Halifax. But now um, with the new restrictions in place in Nova Scotia, um, 
you know, one, it's going to be difficult for people to come travel to the, the province, but two, um, no spectators at all at yeah, any sporting games in Nova Scotia. So you wouldn't even be able to get any people um, in into that building. And it ends on January 12th. So oh, they're hoping okay. that this is going to be the only game that they are going to have to reschedule due to this. Um, I mean, they could extend it if, if you know, this situation's not under control sooner rather than later. Um, but as it, 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 you know, lines up right now, um, it's just going to be that game on the eighth that will be affected. Let's see what our buddy Ty Merrow has to say about this and a bunch of other stuff. If you don't know Ty Merrow, you can follow him uh, on Twitter. Uh, he does a lot of great stuff for the flash and the lacrosse community. He is very analytical. He loves his numbers and he's working on just creating a pool of stats that helps everyone keep everything organized. This is Ty Merrill 101 right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by Ty Merrill from Lacrosse Flash. Ty, what's going on, buddy? How's uh, Georgia? Uh, it's not too bad. Uh, we had a little bit of a cold snap, which cold for us is like, I don't, I don't know Celsius. I just know Fahrenheit. So it was like 40 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit for us. Uh, and now it's back up in the fifties. So little, easiest little math, weather. easiest math for that time. Minus 32 divide by divide in half Qu- quick and easy way to figure it out. That's easy. Yeah. So four. Yeah. See, <laughs> I did it. Ty think. did it just like that, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Ty's a math guy. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's a, a whiz. Big numbers guy. Um, so yeah, we, we, we have a week off in the national cross league. So, um, we figured we'd give the boys, uh, some time off from us berating them for, uh, interviews and, and their time. We thought we'd, you know, take up your time and annoy you. So appreciate you doing this. No, I, I, I'm happy to be on board. I, I really don't remember who I'm following up player interview wise, but I hope it wasn't someone dastardly handsome and really good at lacrosse. It was uh, Mitch Jones. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, there go there go all your ratings right there. It's my bad. Um, in recent weeks, you've done some yeoman's work, putting out um, just some some pretty wild and informative and in depth stats. Why did you feel that this was a need to be done? Uh, um, because I'm a nerd. Mm. I, uh, but before I got into lacrosse like I've, I've i think you know i've spoken about this before and like a few years back teddy but like i'm really big baseball guy my brothers played lacrosse where they did field um i've always been a baseball guy i've really enjoyed the uh statistical side of the things of being able to back up your argument with the stats that you have using that to help support what your eye test uh is seeing um so when I started getting involved with box across, that was always something that I always wanted to do. And just, you know, what's more fun than staying in on the weekend and working in Excel. Uh, so <laughs> did, uh, I've been kind of doing that when I worked with the uh, Georgia Swarm. That was something that I helped out with a little bit on their advanced statistics department, which I uh, did not exist when I left the organization anymore. Um, uh, so yeah, fast forward to now where it's been, you know, what, 20 months between seasons and everything. And I don't think it's any secret that the statistics that the NLL have 
uh, up on their site right now are politely riddled with problems. Um, just two off the top of my head. Don't know, well, three. Don't know goalie minutes. Don't know historical stats. Uh, and what was the third one I want to do? Team totals. Let's stick with that one. Um, so it's kind of, a, oh, special teams. There's another one. So it's kind of a nightmare just, you know, if you're working from an uh, analysis side of things, trying to break down what's going on and you don't really have the evidence to back it up. Like fortunately, uh, the three of us, we've used Point Street for years. That's the devil we know. There's no real organic way to get to the NLL pages uh, on Point Street. It's kind of like, I have a crazy stupid link that I think takes yeah, me yeah. to Colorado in 2019. <laughs> um, so, and I don't even know why it's that. That's just, that's the link that works. So I'll go there and I can finagle my way around mm -hmm. and get the historical stats I need, but that's not on the league site. Special team stuff isn't on the league site. And that's really frustrating when it's like, you want to talk about someone's power play unit and how good they are. Like the rush have a great power play unit. What are their numbers? Nobody knows. Like yeah. it's not readily available. I've had to go and watch every game. And then, cause there are two of them that are wrong, not for the rush, just over the past three weeks. Um, like there are two goals that are, uh, ascribed incorrectly so like it, it just it makes it makes my life difficult not having that information it makes both of your lives difficult as broadcasters mm -hmm. especially when you're on espn and tsn you're trying to put this information out and it's you you don't have anything to go on essentially so like that's i i just i kind of i don't want to say i got fed up i was probably going to do something a little stupidly advanced uh either way but this just really became an opportunity, especially uh, the past two weeks, to just really knuckle down and get everything together to where it makes sense. Um, it's not necessarily public. Uh, what I sent you guys last night, like I still, I got some kinks to work out. I moved some data around just because I, it was hurting the performance of the document that I was using. So I've got a solution to fix that. It's just, it's gonna be a later today kind of deal um but i mean at least now we have a better in my mind we have a better idea of how teams are doing on special teams how team goalies are doing uh we're starting to look at you know the block shots we finally have shots off so we're having a better idea of how many shots a team is making are actually hitting their target versus going wide because right now it's just shots on goals which mm -hmm. is good but incomplete and useless because it's incomplete so that's it. I just, the stats that I wanted to see, I'm starting to put those in and just, yeah, it became a very big project. Um, it's more focused on teams. It's not players at this point, just because I don't quite frankly have the time to make yeah. this thing. You know, at least like you can, at least the NLL uh, stat site does a serviceable enough job that you can kind of figure out who's doing a good job at certain, like at least the scoring parts of things or mm -hmm. loose balls in the league instead of, um, you know, who's blocking the most shots at this point, but we'll get there. You mentioned advanced stats and you, you talk about baseball, obviously war uh, is one, you know, metric uh, that, that, mm -hmm. that is used in baseball and hockey. We have, you know, Corsi and, and, and different metrics like that. 
how far away do you think we are in lacrosse until we, you know, start using true, real advanced stats to kind of use it as a tool to see how the overall player's game is progressing? Um, we're a bit of a ways away, I would say. And I, and I would like to clarify, like everything that I'm doing isn't very advanced. I'm not like, I'll joke I'm a math guy, but I can figure out, you know, Fahrenheit to Celsius now because I'm just so smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thank thank you for that. I, I I got I learned something new today. That's my one thing for the week. Um, so, but like everything I'm doing, it's not anything advanced. It's really a lot of simple division, knowing how to work Excel and things like that. Um, the lacrosse reference guy uh, had replied to something I did like two weeks ago about taking that uh what is it the goal saved above average stat that i've been using for goalies to help like compare them to one another in a given season he was like you could turn that into a semi-war and i'm like i don't know how to figure out the exponent uh to actually calculate that so like that's honestly that's something i kind of want to figure out before the new year um but it, it's not that advanced but back to your back to your question i think we're a ways away um I know there are a couple of teams that have some really smart statisticians that are working for them and they have their own models. Uh, again, when I worked for the Swarm, we did, but as far as being able to calculate just how good a player is doing, like we're, we're having to look at weighing certain things, loose balls, turnovers, uh, your shots and stuff like that. And I just, I don't know if we're close to that yet. Like it's, we, we really don't, distinguish between any of those right like it's to me you so you guys know i don't care about face-off stats at all like if you lose it whatever just go stop <laughs> really it. yeah i didn't know that <laughs> yeah no this this might be the first time it's ever come up um i i don't care <laughs> i don't care for them at all it's like it's not that it's not important it's just that we don't have a really good way to measure it and like Trevor Baptiste winning a face-off at the beginning of a game is not the same as Trevor Baptiste winning a face-off at the end of the game when they're down by one. So until we can weigh those uh, appropriately, I, it's like, yeah, he's Baptiste has clearly evolved over the years, but we don't really have a good way to quantify how good he's doing or how his game has evolved outside of, you know, like he scored a couple of goals last year. Um, another good one was like Tyrell, is it Hammer or Hammer? I, a little bit of both now. Okay. Both. Um, yeah, that guy, Hammer Jackson, um, much better this year than he was in the short cup of coffee he had back in 2019-20. But it's like, well, how do we, how, how do we say that? How do we say that Zach Courier is a top five player in the league when we don't really have a good way to quantify his loose balls, whether they're you know in a 50-50 scrum or he's outnumbered or he just right place, right time kind of deal. So I, I don't know. I'd like to think we're close, but honestly, just probably not. There's probably somebody that's got like a pet project going on on the side that's doing it. But just I, until I see the math and until I start trusting the statistics that we have, um, I just, I don't, I don't think we're close. I just think the way lacrosse is and that it's, you know, sort of offense, defense and how it's played advanced not all advanced stats are created equal right like we talk yeah. time time on floor like that that can vary skewed to 
you know, forwards, defenders, and transition guys, because obviously transition guys might play a little more. And, you know, I- impact uh, of a player, like you said, of a, a Zach Courier, who does a little bit of everything compared to other guys, I just don't know if lacrosse is ready for true in-depth analytics. No, probably not. I mean, it'd be nice, but it's like, it'd be nice for me. It'd be nice for you guys. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not the typical lacrosse fan. I, I think that's been part of my frustration just with the past couple of weeks is like, I've, and you guys have seen the documents. I put in a ton of work just for what I think is relatively simple stuff that should be readily available. Um, and it's, it's literally, it literally took me weeks just to get to this point And I'm still not done. I've still got more work that I want to do. Ninety-eight percent of your fans are not going to do that. So, it's it'd be nice it's just we're we're not there yet we don't need to be there there's a lot of other things that we have to sort of clean up in our own house first before we get to that point what what's one stat that you would love to see the nll keep track of i got my block shots i'm on yeah. i'm so happy i'm happy too I'm like happy too. i i don't yeah. i don't think it's accurate i mean we saw um, <laughs> it's the vancouver game like i i think i tweeted out they yeah. only gave like six there was six in the first quarter yeah exactly that kind yeah. of thing I, I just i don't i don't i don't think we're there yet um in regards to that being a reliable metric but i love having it um i wasn't crazy about time on floor just because it didn't it didn't tell me anything mm-hmm. it just told me who played a lot um, it would have been cool if we had another season worth of data to help sort of strengthen that foundation, but we don't have it this year. So that's clearly gone out the wayside. Um, the one thing I would like us to track, and I, it's, it's really subjective and it's kind of my pet project for this season. I would love us to have a breakdown of the types of goals. How many are we scoring even strength? How many are in? broken plays power play power play we already kind of track anyways sort of uh, same thing with shorthand goal um if it's on a power play but it's a transition goal because that happens um empty netters things like that like i would like for us to start because that'll help us get to that point where we can actually weigh stuff appropriately Mm -hmm. um like just having that information and then from there once we have that i think the next logical course is to start breaking down possessions um which we don't we don't do uh that well but it'd be nice to know like goals off of resets and stuff like that yeah like let's just this is just a number off the top of my head and i don't i don't think it's accurate at all but like panther city is like 85 they had like 85 shots i think against colorado or something like that um not all of those are settled but let's say like 50 of those are settled they didn't have and actually i have this page up in front of me um or i thought i did but let's see when they played colorado i had them for like four even strength goals um so then you're looking at you know like four out of 50 that's eight percent of your possessions are actually scoring that's a low number if that's what it is like you want to be aiming like what 15 somewhere in that 15 to 20 percent range so it'd be great if we could actually quantify that in a similar way that we do for power play and penalty kill but one is subjective that's frustrating me right now just because i'm looking at a play and i'm like well damn it was that a fast break was it unsettled like i just i i 
I, I, I was bothering you guys with it uh, for the past two weeks with these Sydney goals. Like, I've got no clue. Somebody just weigh in on it. Um, <laughs> so it's subjective, but yeah. it's at least something, just something to give us context at this point. And it works It works both ways. It's not just context for an offense. It's also context for a defense. Um, I wrote something for Halifax because uh, in addition to working with the flesh, I also work for Chuck Ragusa through Lucky Finney Media. So I cover the Halifax Thunderbirds for them. Um, I did a snapshot piece for them. I don't know when it's going live. Hopefully by the time this is out. Um, and that's one thing I talked about is like, they're really killing the even strength game. And that's awesome. Like they're in, they've been, I think they're pretty even as far as uh, fast break goals for and against special teams is not really in their favor, but that's mostly because Saskatchewan put up a five spot on them in that regard. Uh, so they're, they're, they've been really impressive settled. And I think with the way our game is currently crafted, where you have guys that can, if they had to play both sides of the floor, winning the most difficult part of the game, which is the settled five on five game, which is where most of your opportunities are gonna come. That's huge. And being able to quantify that is really important to, you know, to help determine a team's success. Because if you're winning the five-on-five game, you're more than likely winning the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's do you think's your biggest early season surprise after three Ooh. weeks? <clears throat> after three weeks, I wrote down a lot. Um, I'm just gonna rattle through them real quick because I'm not like it's not not one thing or the other. Uh, Charlie Bertrand, holy crap! Like for a dude that was undrafted and does really have box experience he's uh man if it sucks that jeff team missed time because of covid if bertrand keeps producing the way that he does i i really hope they uh weigh in the fact that he does not have the experience that some of his peers had and because of that he's doing some damage he's i think he's tied for second with larson sundown at points mm-hmm. don't quote me on that yeah, he's impressive true. um Austin Stott's coming back quickly. Uh, none of us saw that. No. Uh, <laughs> politely. So that's a thing. Um, I really feel like a lot of guys are getting hit into goalies, which I'm not surprised by as much as I'm worried about it. And I'm surprised. I'm more surprised we haven't seen any injuries because it just, it always looks awful. Um, Colorado's offense kind of sucks. Um which is shocking to me. I've literally, ever since the Zed Williams trade, Zed Williams and Dan Coates trade happened, I really thought like Zeddy and Tyler Digby and Ryan Lee, Eli McLaughlin, Chris Wardle, like I'd take that offense any day of the week. It sounds great on paper. And it's just, it's not been that. Uh, The firewalls are bad. Um, And I'm blaming Greggy for this one because he kind of convinced me with his team preview that they were going to be, good like you know the loss of Callum Crawford wasn't that bad and um they're they're struggling right now I like I have faith in Glenn Clark that he's gonna write the ship but they have a lot of work that they gotta do um and then honestly uh the the western goalies being as good at half of the western goalies being as good as they are has been I I just I don't I don't really know a good way to say I didn't see this coming um but Shigliano playing as well as he does, as he has been, is pretty consistent. Like the end of the Calgary game got a little out of hand, but whatever. They're still 
playing well. They just kind of took their foot off the gas. The teams do that. And he's still what he and that defense are doing. Um, it, it just, it, it, we're starting to get to that point where it seems like it's consistent. It's repeatable. And I like that for this team. That's always been great out the front door has struggled at the back door. Like Frank's playing great now. Uh, bouquet. Uh, I mean, I got to see him plenty with the riptide and I didn't think he'd ever get back to the close to this level. Quite honestly, it's, he's been, and like Vancouver's defense in general has been so good, mm-hmm. but Bouquet is making some really, really good saves. It's not just, it, it's not like Sigliani, you could kind of say the defense in front of him either isn't letting, that's not a good way to put it. They've played some bad offenses, so he's not having to work as hard at times. Um Bouquet is still taking a lot of shots against, and he's taking a lot of high danger shots against, and he's really just, he's, he's up to the task. Like he's been probably one of the more consistent goaltenders. Um, and then I, I gotta give a shout out to my boy, Kevin Orleman. Like he, uh, they, they stopped Daymood in for a little bit uh, in the second game, I believe. Um, but Corley's been, really solid that defensive run of him has been really solid and I think the fact that they're winless kind of overshadows how good Panther City's defense has been very early on like they're they had one not great game where they let in 13 and an empty netter so like other than that they're keeping opposing teams pretty low or at least close enough that their offense should get them within should make a game out of it so that's yeah, that's some um, really surprises. Well, we heard you throw out a couple of names there, but um, who's your front runner for MVP and who would be a dark horse that you have for the most valuable player? Uh, front runner, I picked Graham Hosick ahead of the season. Um, and he's been, I guess, quiet, but that's just because he's not throwing bodies on the ground like he normally does. <laughs> um, and that's not that's not a bad thing. Like Halifax's defense has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's just, it's not as flashy, I guess, as in years past. Uh, I kind of want to stick with that, but if we're going to have a, uh, ugh, I don't know, man, it feels like Dane Doby is just unstoppable right now. Um, my dark horse is going to be holding Katoni though. I, I just, I, what he has done over the past couple of years when he was with Calgary he wasn't he was one of the mouths that had to feed but he wasn't the first one in that run right uh so when he went to Georgia he got a lot more touches you saw his production increase because of that and then when he was with Rochester uh, in 2019-20 led the team scoring which I I would have thought it would have been Sean Evans doing that um what he did between that season and this season, especially with how much talent that Nighthawks offense has, and he's still their top points getter. I think he's he's tied for the league lead, I think, with 20 points. Um, or he might just have it by himself. It might be goals I'm thinking of. Like he it's 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 repeatable, it's sustainable. I unless something happens, I really think Katoni could be uh, finalist for MVP and it really wouldn't surprise anyone at this point. Yeah. 10, 10 goals, good enough for second in the league. And then he's got the solo lead with 20, like he said, but I think if Rochester, you know, gets into the postseason and he's leading 
the team in scoring and he's, you know, in that top three uh, in, in both goals and points. I couldn't see why not. Mm -hmm. I will, I will throw another interesting name your way. And I really hope he just misses this one game. He's currently on the COVID uh, protocol list. I, Corey Small is so good. And Philadelphia did not look the same with him out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, he's, what's it? It's like he's producing an eight points per game pace at this point, and that's seven to nine. Um, he just, he looks good, and that team moves so much better when he's out there. I just, I, if he only misses one game, and I really hope that's the case, and he continues playing the way that he is with this Philadelphia O, like, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see him as a finalist either. He's just been that good early on. Um, when, when you look at the league right now, is parity a thing or are we, you know, we have three teams that still don't have wins right now. Um, mm -hmm. is, is that a concern or is that just early season struggles from some young teams? I don't think it's a concern. Um, the three teams without wins, it's Panther City, it's New York, and Albany. Albany. Albany is a surprise. I don't know yeah. why they're winless. Um, it's two games, so don't read too much into it. But I, 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 they're, they're the only one that I'm – them and, like, Calgary, the only two teams, well, and Colorado, I can't get a beat on at this point. Uh, I look at what they are on paper and what they're doing, and it's like it's just – it's not – it's not meshing quite yet. Uh, Panther city, I think has actually been, their offense is not good. Um, like shooting wise, I think they're God single percentage point or something like that. It's, let me take a look at what I got for them. Yeah, they have, okay. It's not single, but like they're shooting 12.2 or no 12.3%. Uh, they're getting a lot of shots on goal They're It's about 75%, but that just means you're taking a lot of bad shots at that point. Um, they're scoring twelve so percent of their shots. Yeah, total shots. So that's counting their transition, unsettled, even strength, all that jazz. Who leads that category? Uh, it might Just be side Buffalo. Bar. Yeah, it's Buffalo right now. Buffalo, but that's two games. Uh, yeah. Buffalo's at twenty point nine, and their shot on goal percentage is seventy six point nine. Uh, the only team that has a higher shot on goal percentage is going to be. It looks like Georgia at 79.6. And I, this is one where I don't really like to belabor the point. I don't quite trust our stats at this point. New York has some really high numbers in certain categories. And I'm like, I don't think that's accurate. I don't know if that's home cooking or if they just a little more liberal with the cause turnovers and the shots, but it's whatever. Um, no, getting back to the point, uh, Panther City, I think, has a good defense. I think the wins are going to eventually come for them just because what that defensive unit is doing, um, I think it's Kevin Orleman between the net moving forward. Like, he's he only had eight goals against against Colorado, which yeah. even if they're struggling offensively, that's still a good off. That should be a good offense. Um, I don't see I don't see them going back to Daymood anytime unless Corley just needs a rest. It's just that offense needs to start producing that's the long and short of that one um and then new york if teat wasn't gone i think new york would have had a win by now I, I i really do even without them like they still played philly tough um if they hadn't kept shooting them in the foot against uh georgia that could have been a game 
just I, I I really do think that there is parity across this league. Most teams got better over this extended offseason, and that's the benefit of you know two draft classes. Even if part of this most recent one is delayed, you have all that. You have all the free agency movement that happened during this extended offseason. Like this is there is a case for the most part for any team to actually go out and win a game every weekend. It's not happening. Um, and it's a little baffling by Colorado and Calgary, but like it's, I, I really, it one, it's early. And two, I do think this is a parody filled league. Like there's only two undefeated teams at this point. They haven't played a third game, but when they do, they have a good chance of extending that streak. Like it's, I, I think that's what we're seeing. You, uh, you mentioned uh, the teams that had gotten better. Uh, who's the first team you think that, that makes a jump to get better uh, in season right now? My, my heart says Colorado. Um, Brad self has clearly shown as GM that he is not afraid to improve this team and make those hard decisions. Uh, I mean, look at the Zed Williams trade. And that was before Zed blew up with his, PLL season where he was MVP. Um, I, I I think people lean a little too much into that because Zed and Field and Zed and Box are not necessarily the same. Um, but at the end of the day, hopefully you got a guy that can put 60 points up. And if that helps your offense start clicking better, that's a good trade. But they also gave up Dan Coates for it. And look at Dan Coates with Rochester right now. He's absolutely like he's really helped turn that ship around defensively. They look so much better. Um, so Colorado is probably my first bet. It's kind of a matter of what do teams have at this point. Colorado always has a lot of seconds. Um, so if they need to get a new body, they might, I think honestly, it might be addition by subtraction if their offensive woes continue for too long. Um, Halifax and it's two games it's early they might change but uh, their righties are the only ones that are producing right now they've got two left-handed goals uh from their forwards and one of those forwards has quotation marks around it because it's Duncan Thompson and like he's he's he can play forward that's not what they brought him on for they brought him on to play defense um they and I think they've got a first uh that they might uh, like if, they, if they're looking to trade to bring someone in, that might be the way that they go. But they've also, their depth got tested pretty hard uh, too. I mean, it's like Jammer hasn't played, Dutchie's out, uh, and then Shanks has missed some times too. So like their, their depth is getting tested earlier and that's after they cut a lot of roster depth just because they were that stacked. Um, yeah, Colorado's where I'm leaning though. I, I, maybe... Maybe Sask, but I kind of thought they would have already made a move for a goalie, and that's not happened. I think if they would have lost to Vancouver, you would have seen that. You would have seen that move made. Yeah, Yeah, I, I just, I think I'm more surprised that there's that Penny is not signed. Yeah, I think that's surprising to a bunch of people. Yeah, including including everybody on this call right now. Well, Ty, I know you're always such a, a grand optimist and are, are always looking at uh, everything with uh, the glass half full. Who the hell told you that? 
Uh, oh my but, god! Uh, <laughs> in all, that's in the all seriousness, thing that's going to be said tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In all seriousness, uh, you know, we we uh, saw the news with Halifax and uh, New York having to postpone their game in Halifax due to um, provincial guidelines with the COVID nineteen in, in Nova Scotia. Um, but how concerned are you that you know? the season is in jeopardy or more of these postponements uh, could be coming down the pipeline. So I'm going to start this off by saying two things. One, I've not had any conversations with anyone at the league front office level about any of this stuff. Um, and two, I'm obviously not an expert on COVID. That said, uh, I, I mean, I was working for the swarm when we had, uh, the first shutdown and like my uh what was it next lap no because they, they had a doubleheader weekend that february 29th weekend i was in vancouver and that was the entire conversation on the way in there it was like oh it's looking like it's bad we're flying to vancouver which at the time was one of the um highest cases caseloads in north america just because it's a major port of entry between uh east asia and you know canada u.s uh so that was kind of a concern uh at that time and then just it finally i think once you saw the nba make their decision it was like well if they can't do it how can we do it um so it was like we'll suspend play and hopefully things change positively enough that we can pick this back up but like the more time goes on you're just like no that's not gonna happen um to where they finally i think made the right decision you know the league did and the board of Go and the board of governors just cancel it like there what are you going to do at this point um it's it's been too long there's so much going wrong the canadian border was a big issue uh it, it just wasn't going to happen and then we had that stake in the ground thing at the end of october which uh met, like at the time did it seem feasible and the more time went on and while i'm sitting there uh taking care of all our social media and ignoring the messages saying like when you guys can announce a schedule it's getting closer and closer as well as just talking to equipment people because i also ran across operations uh equipment people and travel and just being like yeah maybe one day i'll keep you uh, up to date it's just it, it, mid-november i knew it wasn't going to happen um I have a little bit of deja vu right now, honestly. I, I really, I'm seeing a lot of parallels between then and now. I am more optimistic though that nothing, that the season will continue though. Uh, and there's, there, there, there's three main reasons. And the first one is just, we can't cancel another season. I, I don't think this league makes it through canceling another season i i just it, it's that's so much momentum gone that's so much lost value and revenue and it's just like yeah, at a certain point people are going to be wondering if they still have the stomach for it after you know going like it, it'll be 15 16 games uh for most teams in three years that's that's just not we just can't do it um the fact that there's the nba is kind of soldiering through and postponing games instead of just outright canceling. I know the NHL did cancel, but they also had that window with the Olympics, right, where they can make up games that are missed. Um, 
which I is, is, they're taking a pause right now. I think that's good. If they're not canceling, I don't see the NLL canceling because the NLL will follow their will essentially follow what they're doing um, as much as they can with the resources that they have league wide. Um, and I said there was a third point. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> Can they, oh, the fact that we're in a holiday break, I think, is helpful. I mm. really do. Like, Halifax has 19 games between uh, December 10th and whenever they're playing Calgary, I think, on the 30th. So, like, that's 19 games. If there are any issues, hopefully by then people are healthy. They're getting tested. They're really stressing. You need to – it sucks. It really does. But the alternative is we don't have NLL action. Please stay home. Please stay safe. Please get tested. All that jazz. Um, I, I think – with the break falling when it did normally I hated it like I, I don't I, I don't like more than two weeks off after you know 20 months uh but I, I think this ended up being fortuitous especially with this Omicron wave um that the yeah like that's without speaking anything on the COVID situation across the country or across North America is in different regions stuff because again not an expert and where I live in Georgia um, I am less than pleased with my community with how they're handling this pandemic but like it's there are signs in place unless the border shuts down I don't see the NLL stopping that's that's honestly that's long and short of it yeah I I, I think other than following, you know, provincial mandates like they're doing now in Halifax, as we're seeing, um, if NBA and NHL games are going on and you can travel back and forth across the border, I, you just like you said, Ty, you can't afford not to be playing games right now. And exactly. I think I think the holiday break is great. Um, you know, I know, you know, some of the guys are just joking around over the weekend that, you know, if they did get COVID, it would mean they, you know, they'd be able to just sit on their couch and stay at home and not get lured into going out and drinking and partying with the, the fellows over the holiday season. But, um, you know, I, I just think as a league, yeah, the timing's kind of good because you can just keep everybody home, hopefully. And, and just if you're feeling fluy or sick, you can kind of get rid of it in a couple of weeks. And then hopefully um, after the holidays, we can kind of pick things back up. Uh, one last kind of talk topic for you you are a holiday man you don't you do love your holiday spirits and your holiday cooking you were making gross mushroom something the other night um mushroom risotto teddy come on man mushrooms period i've tried mushrooms i've tried mushrooms they're gross they do not gotta they have terrible texture do a portobello uh Mm -hmm. mushroom cap Soak nope. it in like soy sauce and some other stuff. Put it on the grill. I'm telling you, man. No, that's that's a so lead. That's a lead. Anyways, yeah. um, what <laughs> is your uh holiday go-to drink? What are you making like at Ty's bar five o'clock on a on a Thursday night? What do you make? I'm actually not a holiday person. I don't know where you got that from either. Um, I, I do like to drink, I do like to cook. Uh, I just got a note saying my internet's connection is unstable. So if I dip out, I apologize in advance. Um, I, one thing I'm really into right now, there's a 
uh, gin I like down here. It's called St. George's, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation because my French is atrocious. It's terroir, T-E-R-R-O-I-R. Uh, it tastes like a pine forest. You make a uh, gin martini with that one, so like orange bitters, two parts uh, gin, one part. I always use Dolan, dry vermouth. Uh, stir, 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 pour it out, and then do uh, an orange peel and a sprig of rosemary like oh, oh my god that is that is like the perfect winter drink that's um, the one that and that's like the quick and easy one the one i've mm. done the past couple of years and i haven't done this year i had to take a break after mexico because um, <laughs> I, I i i did some damage down there um <laughs> i like to make a clarified milk punch which is a, a leosaccharum a lot of rum turbinado syrup uh, and then you put milk in it and the milk separates out the ethanol I, i'm a math guy i'm not a chemistry guy i don't really remember exactly what all it does but essentially it's like ready making a um, cocktail and then you just strain all the curds out and that takes forever my apartment ends up looking like um that in scene in uh, the aviator where howard hughes has the piss bottles everywhere um <laughs> it's it's such it's such a good and dangerous drink um i make a pitcher and i warn everybody about it just because you have one and you're in trouble um as far as cooking stuff i just get bored and i just try things um like yesterday i did something with what is it nero de sapia it's essentially like a linguine with uh black ink squid in it i just i think i did like some literate lemon pepper butter sort of glaze with that with like shrimp and broccoli i just get bored and figure stuff out i am trying to make a and again my french is atrocious i apologize biche de nil uh bechamel is, no not bechamel it's oh. uh, i'll have to send you guys a photo of it. it it looks insane it's like a chocolate sponge biscuit with chocolate inside and chocolate covering it and it's just it's it's way beyond my abilities. You're, you're speaking my language of chocolate on chocolate on biscuit on chocolate. Yeah, I like to I like to make sweets. I just don't like to eat them. So. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, man. Um, I appreciate you, Ty. This has been awesome. Yeah. Um, Thank you. We we always love good nerd chatter. Um, what's what's next on the gambit for you? What's you know, what's going to be your drive the next couple of days before you unwrap presents? Mm. I don't know. Got the day job stuff to do. Uh, I, I really want to fix up my page. I want to start or my stats stuff. I would like to, I don't know if I ever want to go public with it just because of the sort of subjectiveness, like I was talking about regarding how I'm breaking down goals and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if that's ever going to go anywhere. And I just, I have a bad habit of like being 98% good and then I miss 1%, 1 or 2% here. Um, but I would like to get, I, like I'm caught up on the game stuff for that one. I would like to figure out that exponent for a pseudo war kind of deal because that just might be a fun project. But at this point, I just, I, I need to get it. Just everything just kind of set up, churn and burn moving forward. So that way when we get back to play on December 30th and Lord willing, nothing happens that, interrupts that it just it just becomes easier for me at this point i've already done a lot i've got a lot of writing stuff i need to do uh both for the flash and for lucky penny so i just i i can't be i can't be spending two weeks 
staying up in front of the computer until midnight trying to plug in formulas through an Excel document. That stuff's just gotta, it's gotta stop. So you need an assistant. You need an assistant. Is that, is that a, uh, is that you volunteering? Teddy? Nope. Not at all. I'm sure Mackenzie <laughs> can do some work for you over the holidays. So. Um, I'm, I'm good. The other part is I'm a little paranoid and I don't trust stuff. If it's wrong, it's my fault. Yeah. Right. And I'm okay with that. So. All right, man. Uh, I appreciate, we appreciate this as always. Uh, stay safe down in Georgia, my man. Happy holidays. We'll catch up soon. All right. You guys do the same. Thanks for having me on. That's Ty Marrow. Um, interesting to hear him talk about the numbers and just keeping things organized. Um, as broadcasters, we rely on the stats pages and we rely on those numbers to be accurate and up to date as best they can be. Um, thankfully, we have Rod Benson at the National Cross League who sends out um, the weekly stat pack. And I'm just kind of going over it right now. And uh, page, I'm on page two, uh, the attendance report. I know everything going on in the world right now. I completely understand that. I know that people are scared to be out in, in big numbers. I know people are scared to be in stadiums. Um, and I know that December is a tough time for any team to get fans in the building with Christmas going. And like you said, holiday parties and the such. But the fact that Philadelphia has had two home games and they have only mustered 7,825 people combined is incredibly alarming to me. Yeah, no? and I, yeah, I. So I'm, I'm, I've always been, especially you know, the last couple of years, well, last couple of seasons, I should say. I try not to overreact with the attendance at, at the start of the season because we see this every single year Fair. that as the season progresses, um, you know, more fans come out, and yes. A lot of other factors now in our world that are, are keeping these numbers down as well. But with all that being said, despite what, what I said with not overreacting, there are a few numbers on, on some of these teams that out the gate, it is certainly concerning. And Philadelphia is one of those things. And I'm hoping it's just a, a matter of fact with, you know, COVID going on, um, you know, the Eagles are still playing. You know, the 76ers are still playing. Flyers are still playing. There's just so much going on in the city of Philadelphia that you know, the, the hype hasn't been picked up fully yet. Um, but for them to average just under 4,000 for their first two games certainly is a cause for concern. Um, and the fact that we haven't, you know, we haven't had one team break the 10k yet yeah. is, is a little bit concerning as well but like i said i'm not going to panic yet um i think that you know the league always struggles with those december games if we roll into you know end of january you know into february you know the pandemic is a little bit more under control and we're still seeing some of these numbers for some of these teams near the bottom then i think you can kind of have have causes for concern um but overall uh, I think we have to stay calm here, have to take in all the factors and not really worry about it too much. Um, but I do definitely understand why there could be some cause for concern. Uh, there is cause cons for, there is cause for concern. Um, when I make picks, uh, we'll talk about it. time <laughs> for box bets. 
brought to you by CoolBet Canada. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> So last week when we were doing this, Patty had sent out an early look at the parlay and he had uh, Saskatchewan, Vancouver under. And I said, you know what, Pat? I kind of think it's going to go over. Here are my analytics. Here is my data to back up my stats. And I was wrong. And I cost us because Rochester blew Albany out of the water to cover their plus two and a half um uh i will i will refrain from screwing our parlays you know what you have a one week suspension so Uh, you won't be able to give out any picks this week for our par. oh wait there's no games so no you know what teddy like this this is the thing like that just the beauty and the painful thing about uh sports betting you all the trend all the tells you one way that this game should go this way. And Ty Marrow, if you're listening back to the podcast, turn this off because you're not going to want to hear it. This is why the game's not played on, a, on an uh, Excel sheet. There's other <laughs> variables that go into the game. And sometimes the eye test and that gut feeling works. And then sometimes the stats are completely right and it goes in the right, right direction. But that's why, you know, sports are the best because there's just so many different variables that can go into it. And I, I had a feeling all it was, I didn't look at any number. I just said, and the rush is, in my opinion, the best, if not the best defense in the league. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. And, yeah, I should have listened to you. But oh, hey, well. it's okay. It's oh, okay. Well. You oh. know, this week we have no parlay because there's no games. We'll probably, you know, take a look at some of the futures, but before we dive into that, I wanted to just kind of go over some of the betting trends that we're seeing so far. And I know, I, I know I kind of said like, you know, trends aren't the be end all, but some of it, it definitely helps you out. And there are a lot of really interesting ones for the basic ones here. So favorites right now on the money line are being uh, 15 uh, and four. So, you know, if you, if straight up, so if you see that SU, that means straight up. If you see ATS, that means against the spread. So favorites right now are dominating on the money line. Mm. On the flip side, underdogs are 10 and 9 against the spread. So about close to that 50%. The over is just about over 50% at 8, uh, or sorry, 10, 8, and 1. Okay. Now these are the ones that I find really, really interesting. So two and a half point underdogs are a perfect 4 and 0 so far this season. Um, they have been covering a hundred percent rate. And I don't know if it's going to continue with that, but that just shows to you, like what we were talking with Ty with how much parity there is in the league. Um, mm-hmm. especially at the fact that the favorites are, are 15 and four, uh, on the money line, Vancouver, they're three and all against the spread. They've covered the spread in every single game, whether they're a, a favorite or an underdog, they're covering, they're keeping games close. Um, Saskatchewan and Philly, I mean, on paper at the start of the year, you think these two teams would be a wagon, um, Philly two and one, Sask is one and two, but they're both against the set. 
And I just think that that's, that's a case of, you know, I think the odds makers see them as, you know, heavy favorites to do well. And um, that's just, a, I think, a trend that we could probably soon see go the other way. And that's maybe a way that you can, you know, I'm really interested to see what the line is going to be for Saskatchewan's next game against San Diego. I'm really, really Ooh. excited to see what that is. Um, if they're an underdog, I would be surprised. I think this one will be closer to a pick them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't see Saskatchewan going too far into the season, you know, not covering the spread. And the other one, the other, it is like validates what I've been thinking about this team and um, early on in the season. But the under is 2-0-1 in Toronto Rock games this season. So it's 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 gone under twice. And then last week, I believe the number was 21 and there was exactly 21 goals scored in that game. So I'm going to probably be hammering, you know, I like for our picks here for, for when we do our parlays, I think I'm going to be throwing the under yeah. in Toronto rock games until that, you know, does cash, but with how good their defense is, you know, Nick Rose starting to find his form again. And this is kind of the negative part, but their offense is struggling. <laughs> Their offense is struggling. It's it's an it's a perfect recipe for an under game. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I, I like the fact that you know, plus two and a halfs are doing so well. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think obviously that that speaks to the parity in, in the game, and that speaks to how close things are. But it's also at the start of the year. You know, the the, the odds makers. This is usually where the public you know, makes more money and the odd odds makers kind of figure things out as the season progresses. It's the same thing in football. We see it every year. It's the same thing in, in, you know, NBA, NHL, MLB. Um, so I think, especially with the break here, the, the odds makers are going to, you know, tinker with their, 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 uh, their, their systems and their formulas and their, you know, uh, and I think they, that's where maybe you'll see some things, uh, kind of level out here, but I'd be interested to see how much longer we see that plus two and a half. And we saw, you know, we, like you said, we saw a plus two and a half favorite that line actually did end up, you know, that ended up moving, moving um, like, as it was only a, a, they were, I think. Oh, and then the Kirky was, news came out and it changed. So it jumped up to a two and a half and they won. <laughs> they won like, by, they, what, they won by eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that just goes to show you, right? So that, that, yeah. that's why you can't predict everything in sports. Um, the games next week, uh, Thursday, Halifax, Calgary, Friday, New York, Colorado, and San Diego, Saskatchewan. So be some interesting lines. You know, looking how Calgary has played in two of their three games coming in at one and two, the way Halifax has been um you know colorado's 2-1 against Owen 3 new york and then the rush and seals who could be on a collision course for a playoff battle maybe a top spot in the west uh, on the line at the end of the season uh mm-hmm. seals now updated odds patty plus 128 best in the west the rush come in second at plus 180 so uh, an early maybe clash of some predictions but if tyson geik is listening and he wants to cash in on that spicy hot take from coast to coast the other week vancouver plus 1300 to win the west so here i wanted to clarify something and and i, I don't know if this is something that you know we can maybe put a little bit more put it more obvious on the on the website but 
the two clinched the East division or West division. That's actually to win the division, like the regular season. Oh. So that's not to advance to the finals. Yeah. So that's why you see some of these teams um, like Halifax, you know, with them minus being two one. and oh, minus, Halifax one is minus one away to clinch right. the East. That's regular right. so, season. Oh. So regular season. So I, and I was listening to uh, lax class a little bit earlier this week and they referenced, you know, to make the final, to make the final. Well, no, it's not to make the final. It's just to come in first clinch that East division title or clinch that West division title. So uh, I'm going to talk to the fine folks at cool bet, see if we can maybe have that a little clearer, on the website, or maybe we also get odds um, for teams to make the finals. Yeah, um, absolutely. Cause that, I think that would be interesting, but like you said, though, San Diego, um, they are now the favorite to win the West. Um, and I think that has obviously a lot to do with the rush starting out. zero and two, but I do think if it was odds to make the finals, I think the rush probably would still um, have, have a slight edge. Although, I mean, we might as well take a look of it now with the NLL cup, um, winning odds right now, Halifax, the outright favorite still at plus 270, the Toronto rock second at plus 450, the Buffalo bandits at plus 500 San Diego at plus 600. Then there's Saskatchewan at plus 650 Philadelphia at plus 800 Colorado mammoth are 15 to one Vancouver is 25 to one Georgia swarm are 35 to one. Uh, Albany Firewolves are 40 to one. Same with the Roughnecks. 80 to one are the Riptide. 100 to one is Rochester and Panther City is 150 to one. Hey, Pat, if, if someone wanted to type in on their computer, where would they go to find all that information? Type cool.com slash CA slash sports slash lacrosse. Or if you just go to coolbet.com, you go to the sidebar there, you'll see all the sports that are going on. Click the little lacrosse sticks there with NLL, and you'll see all the futures odds. If you're listening to this, let's say at the start of next week, well, you're going to see some of those odds for week four come up. But if you're listening to this now, maybe you know on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, wherever it may be, right now, don't worry, don't panic. You'll just see the futures odds right now. So you can still get in on the action. Um, even though there is a bye week, so you can still bet on that. And of course, there's a lot of other things going on in the world of sports. I know some of the leagues are on freeze, but you know, the NFL still going, the NBA's trucking through world uh, juniors, baby. Yes, world you juniors. Beat world juniors. And right now, cool bet has a ton, a ton of future odds, whether you want to see who, you know, obviously to win head to head tournaments against teams, you've got winner group a and B top point score, top goal score, tournament MVP. We even got some uh, save percentage over unders for some of the starting goalies. So, uh, or just a medal. Um, like for example, Canada is minus six sixty seven uh, to medal. So not the best odds. I don't think that's a bet that you're going to want to throw down on, but you know, if you think maybe a, a team like Sweden, um, you know, they're minus one eleven. maybe they, are they still on that team. ridiculous group stage win streak? No, I think that, I think that ended last year. Yeah. I think that ended last year, but that was nuts. That, that was, was truly nuts. insane. That was absolutely truly insane. But yeah. Uh, so, and of course, if you want to, you know, get in on the action, you haven't played with cool bet before, not a problem at all. You go sign up, make an account. And before you do that, there's going to be a green button at the top 
right click that type in OTCB in the bonus code section hit submit and whatever you deposit up to $200 it could be 25 50 100 whatever it is all the way up to $200 we will double that deposit and terms and conditions do apply um, but yeah, so no, no NOL action game odds to go this week, but a lot of other sports, uh, going on at coolbet.com. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, uh, before we get out of here, um, everyone, we've talked about it before the, the story of Emily Cox, the girlfriend of Marshall King, who plays with the Calgary Roughnecks. Um, if you've been following her story, uh, a few years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer and she ended up um, having part of her leg removed and they thought that she had kind of beaten it. Uh, she went back for a checkup. They realized that something wasn't just quite right and they realized that the cancer had returned and unfortunately, she ended up having to lose her entire leg. So Marshall, little cross world, family, friends, Strangers from around the world all came to Emily's side to help raise money to help her afford a prosthetic leg. The other night, cruising through Instagram, I stumbled upon the story of Emily, one that I knew very well, but being told by the people at the Rachel Ray show. And they end up, you know, telling her story and then they end up talking to her on Zoom. And one of uh, the people on the show was saying how much they were inspired by Emily's story and how they loved her energy and everything that she was about. Pat, they gave her an extra $30,000 to take her total to above what they needed to get her brand new leg. So thanks to everyone that was already involved in donating and gifting and doing what they could and fundraising and such, the Rachel, people at the Rachel Ratio have helped her get over the hump and she will now be able to get that prosthetic leg. It is, I, I don't cry often when I watch stories on social media, just because maybe I'm a little numb by what's everything that's been going on, but I was legitimately in tears watching it from start to finish. Cause I knew something was going to happen. You just kind of felt that there was going to be that twist at the end. You just didn't know what, but by the end of it, I, I was crying. It was such an amazing story. Um, it's, I posted on my Twitter, it's on my Instagram page. We'll retweet it from the show page. Um, but just an, an incredible story. And I'm so happy for Emily and so happy for Marshall. And, and I just, this is such an amazing moment for them and for her. It was just very touching. Yeah, it was incredibly powerful. And you know what, the, this is, this is the time of year where everyone's worried about, you know, getting their loved ones presents and what they're going to, you know, get for, for Christmas. I think this is a, a great time. And something that I've done recently is just, you know, find, you know, find people like Emily, find, you know, local charities and, and give back to those mm -hmm. who, you know, who can't do, uh, you know, like I said, even so something as small as, you know, donating to a food bank or donating to a, you know, a local charity or something as powerful and, and like Emily's story, like just give back, give to those who are in need of help. Um, and, you know, it was great to see Rachel Ray, like, the, you know, that just the fact that she was on, you know, such yeah. a big show that obviously helps, but you know, she's up to almost a hundred grand 
uh, on her uh, GoFundMe. And I don't even know if that's including the donation, but uh, it's amazing to see what that was able to do. And, and uh, man, it's, there's, the world's a, a crazy messed up place and to see a story like this, how sad it is, but how, you know, inspirational she is and the way that she's handling this, um, you know, it, it shows you that, you know, you being a little bit disappointed that, you know, you can't go to, you know, your favorite restaurant right now is not the end of the world. There's a lot worse things going on. Um, and we need more people with a positive ad- attitude like Emily um, to help us go forward and be stronger and get through this. Um, okay. One last one before we get in here. I made a complete ass of myself at Lululemon the other day. Um, <laughs> and this will be a great, funny story to end on. on the note. Um, so I go into Lululemon, I'm looking for a couple last minute Christmas shopping gifts the other day. And obviously I, so I'm wearing my elf onesie that I wore on coast to coast. I actually left the house in it and <laughs> I've, I've got my mask on. So whatever, I'm in the festive spirit. I got a smile on my face, having a good time. And this lady comes up to me in Lululemon. She says, oh, my God, hey, how are you doing? And I look, and she's obviously got a mask on, but she's wearing, like, a bag over her shoulder. Um, and she looked like somebody I knew. And I was like, oh, my God, so good to see you. And me being me, I literally outstretched my arms to give her a hug. And I'm like, and she kind of takes a step back. She's like, what? And I'm like, all right, crap, COVID. So I go to give her, like, a fist pound. And she's like um okay and i'm like so what's going on she goes oh nothing welcome to lululemon i'm like oh my god you were just being friendly because you worked here oh no (laughs) and so i'm like oh my god i thought you were somebody i knew and i was coming to give you she's like oh yeah no worries i'm like i am so sorry for this incredibly awkward moment of some weird dude in an elf onesie reaching out to give you a hug when you're just trying to do your job. So I like embarrassedly kind of like slink away thinking, like, oh my God, I can't like leave right away. Cause I'm a super obvious. Well, she goes to the back corner where like the girls are like folding the clothes people have tried on. And she just starts telling everybody the story of the creep who tried to give her a hug in the onesie. And I kind of turn to look and they're all just kind of like giggling into their hand at me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I'm too nice at times. I'm too nice at times. I just want to hug people. Then you know what? Like that's there. There's nothing like worse when you you like even just the little like someone like waves and you're like oh hey and then it's like oh it's actually they're waving to someone behind you. <laughs> so I can only feel the the embarrassment that you had not only with that, but then oh yeah you were also wearing uh, an elf one. <laughs> So it's not like you can just like be like, oh, and kind of drift off into the yeah. background and hide. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. wait, it's the dude wearing the, the fluffy elf costume. I've been getting so many compliments on it, all the other stores that I've been. This lady's like, oh, my God. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, so good to see you. Let's have a hug. Nope. Back off, weirdo. <laughs> oh, man. I love the holidays. I hate wearing masks during the holidays. Um, buddy, uh, what's your plan for the holidays? Family stuff? Uh, I know you are with family as much as you can be during this time. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Uh, with obviously some restrictions here in Ontario, we're going to try to make, you know, Christmas work uh, as close to as regular as possible. So um, yeah, just going to stay safe, still enjoy Christmas. Um, lots of rapid tests going on uh, to make sure that everyone, you know, is, is doing, doing the right thing and staying safe. How about yourself? 
Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do a couple small family get-togethers. Uh, we usually do like uh, church with my my family. We usually go to like a Christmas Eve uh, mass, but I don't know if we'll be able to do that now. So um, we'll probably just have a small gathering at my brother's house, um, see my nieces and nephews, and then Christmas with my parents. And that's about it. But yeah, it's just what's this? Two Christmases in a row, we've kind of not really been able to do anything and have big yeah. get-togethers and things like that. It's, it's a tough time of year for everybody. So if, if you are out there and you are struggling, know that uh, you're not alone and, and know that you can always reach out to us um, or any of your friends or family. Just let them know you're struggling because it's not easy, but just know that you are loved and we will get through all of this together. Um, he is Patrick Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter at P I'm Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner, the show at OTCB underscore podcast and on Instagram OTCB podcast. Uh, we appreciate you all. As always, we appreciate Tom Arrow from giving us uh, his mathematical genius. And we appreciate you as always for tuning in. Stay safe. Enjoy the holidays. We'll talk to you next week as we round out 2021 in the year of lacrosse. Until next time, be excellent to each other.